0: Your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. This is our finale for the book of Ephesians. We're going to read verses 21 through 24. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 21. But, ye, but that you also may know about my circumstances, how I am doing. Tacitus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. Father, we come into your presence and we pray as we spend some time in your word today that uh, you would be speaking to our hearts. And so we come with expectant hearts, asking that you would meet us in Jesus' name. Amen. First of all, let me thank you for your prayers for the last two weeks. I was at uh, Turkey Hill with 215 or so uh, eight to 13-year-olds. We had over 50 people from Bethany down there. Uh, Bob and Teresa were teaching the staff and Caleb and Galeb, uh, Caleb and Cabe, they're so much alike. Um, (laughs) We're directing the camp. We had about seven or eight that were working as counselors and a number of others on staff. And uh, some are still there. I think of Adam Wilson as he's directing the guy staff. So continue to pray for them. And then I headed over to Kansas Bible Camp uh, for a week with 90 junior high age campers. And uh, good weeks. Uh, we'll know in eternity how much God worked. But thank you for your prayers. This morning's our final study on the book of Ephesians. We've spent 20 sessions, almost five months studying this book. And so the question comes up, is your life different because of this study? When I graduated from Emmaus, this was the the verse my class took, because the Bible study is meant to have an impact on our lives. And so Paul wrote the goal of our instruction The goal of teaching uh, here at Bethany, the goal of teaching the word of God anywhere is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And so the goal is changed lives, growth in love, growth in purity, growth in right living, and growth in genuine faith. And we've spent five months on the book of Ephesians. Now, there's a responsibility to teaching the word of God, but there's also a responsibility uh, for hearing the word of God. Um, and that personal responsibility of the hearer is uh, pictured in Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3, where it talks about the blessed man. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Meditating is pondering God's word. Letting the Holy Spirit apply it to your life. So it's not just head knowledge, it's not just uh, words in a book. It actually translates into actions in your life. How can I take this scripture in my situation and work it out so I'm obedient to this scripture? Now the promise of God goes on in that verse. Uh, he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of waters which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and whatsoever in whatsoever, whatever he does, he prospers. And so as I was thinking how to do an Ephesians finale, I thought this morning what we want to do is we want to revisit some parts of Ephesians and encourage you to choose a passage to meditate on. To choose a passage that will, the word of God will cause you to change attitudes and actions. And so we're going to go through the whole book very briefly and talk about some of the areas uh, in uh, these passages. So uh, go back to Ephesians chapter one. I've divided it a little differently. Uh, I've divided it, into f- five parts that, that have some subparts. The first area is personal blessings. Paul talks about in verse three Blessed be God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. And so here in the salutation and thanksgiving, he talks about some of our blessings. The fact that we are saints, called apart ones, uh, holy ones. We've been chosen uh, before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless. We've been adopted as sons. Bible uses two pictures. Birth, which emphasizes the fact that you're, you're a baby and you, you need to grow. And then adoption, which pictures the fact of you coming in and having full use of, of all the benefits of being part of God's family. And we're adopted. We have full use of all the, uh, that is involved in being a son or daughter of God. We've been redeemed Bought back from the sin market. We've been forgiven, sealed, guaranteed that we'll arrive safely in heaven, given a pledge, uh, given the Holy Spirit as a pledge. Well, this is a wonderful passage for people who struggle with feelings of insecurity. Satan attacks and he says, You're really not secure. But we are secure in Christ. As we go through these blessings, I am set apart for God. God views me having the righteousness of Christ. And uh, and so for those that struggle with, with insecurity uh, uh, regarding their s- spiritual state with God, those who struggle with not being accepted, does God really accept me? Does, does God really like me? Does God really is god really favorable towards me satan likes to come in and cut the ground from underneath or having significance having value in god's sight well i'm not a pulpit preacher i'm not this i'm not like that brother or sister i'm not like this one Uh, am i really valuable am i really significant am i really noteworthy in the sight of god well these this passage Uh, Results that we can confidently say, listen, I am secure in Christ. I am accepted in Christ. I am significant in Christ. We come over to the first prayer. And I know I'm going through these um, pretty quickly. You'll be thankful for that as we get closer to 1130. But in Paul's first prayer, he talks about our opportunity to know some things. That God gives us um, a spirit of wisdom and releva- uh, revelation so that we can know the hope of his calling, the riches of his inheritance in the saint, the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. Some Christians struggle with hopelessness. I'm in this situation, how's it ever going to get better? I have this struggle, how's it ever going to get better? Listen, there's hope in the calling of Jesus Christ. Some people struggle with, with um, a, a, again, a lack of value, a, a sense of, of la- not being worthy or worthwhile. And he talks about God's, uh, the riches of God's inheritance in the saints. And some people struggle with helplessness. I can't win. I can't do anything um, for God. And yet God, talk, God wants us to know the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe, um, which are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. We can do things. We are not helpless. But we need to see Christ and And it causes us, God wants us to have an understanding that brings confidence that we can say to others who who are facing no hope, there's hope in Christ for people who say, well, I have nothing to offer. Yes, in Christ, you do. Yes, there's strength for what you're facing in Christ. I'm including Ephesians 2 1 to 10 in this area of personal blessings. Ephesians 2, 1 to 10 is really one of these um, passages that um, kind of uh, moves from one to the other. Uh, But here we learn, and, and this is a wonderful truth, that we are fully known yet loved. God knows that we're dead in our, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. God knows we walked according to the course of this world. God knows about the lusts of our flesh and our thoughts. God knows all about that. But being rich in mercy with his great love with which he loved us. And we, he loves us. And he's made us alive and raised us and seated us with Christ in the heavenly places. He's working in our lives to make us his workmanship, his masterpiece, and has good works which God has personally prepared each one of us who know Christ to do. What an amazing thing! And God wants us to have this confidence those who are struggling with feelings of unloved. We had a little boy at Kansas Bible Camp and he was talking to his counselor and his counselor was, was talking with him and he said, I am unloved. And she had the great joy of saying, no, you are very much loved. And there, there may be people in this room and in in the depths of your person you sent you just feel well yeah they love this one i i worked at camp a number of years ago uh the story does not reflect well on me i was directing at a camp at willowbrook we had a girl come to this camp and uh, i immediately went to the director of the camp and said we agreed last year she couldn't come because she's always been a disruption well we had low numbers, we had room. She promised to be good, yada, yada, yada. And uh, I said, okay. And it was the same. She caused disruptions in her dorm. She caused so one day at the chapel, I met her at the door. I said, we're going to have one chapel service without you causing problems. Here's a list of verses. Take a hike down to the creek. You sit down there and you read these verses. And so Chapel got out. She wasn't around. Game time came. She didn't come back up from the creek. We went to line up for lunch. She wasn't around. Finally, she came wandering up from the creek. Her counselor ran over. I sent the rest of the kids in. And then she came over, and I said, go on in and eat. And I said to her counselor, so what's the deal? She said, when her mother was expecting her, her mother went to get an abortion. But the grandmother stopped the mother from getting an abortion. And that girl heard from day one her mother say, you have been an anvil around my life as long as I've lived. I didn't want you when I heard I was pregnant with you. I did not want you the day you were born. I do not want you now. And so when the gospel would be preached and hey, God loves you, God wants you in his home in heaven, In her head, she heard everybody but me. My own mom didn't want me. And by the grace of God, most of those verses I'd written out for her talked about God loved her. God demonstrated his love. For God so loved the world. And the Spirit of God, in a wonderful way, convinced her, her too. And if you're here as a Christian and and you look around and you say, well, I'm not valuable, I'm not loved, please take this passage, (laughs) take a look at it. You're loved. No matter what mess up, no matter what is in your past, God loves you. For those who have no purpose in life, God has a purpose for your life. He has things he's personally prepared for you to do. If there's a sense of directionlessness, if that's such a word. Um, This is a great passage to ponder until you can confidently say in your heart of hearts, I am known and loved in Christ. I have purpose in Christ. I have service Christ intends for me to do. The next section is corporate blessings, because God has called us to be part of a church, part of a group. And this stretches from 2.11 over to 3.13. And among the things Paul states here is, is we have direct access by the Spirit to the Father. We are fellow citizens, fellow heirs, fellow partakers in the promise of God with all the saints all the heroes of faith, you're right in there with them, sharing equally all the blessings, all the inheritance, all of God's working. We are members of God's family. God is building his church as a dwelling place for God. And we are a display to the angels of God's wisdom. This is another great passage to meditate on. If you struggle with the value of the local church, if you struggle with um, what you can do, meditate on this passage until you begin to catch glimpses of the absolute beauty and wonder of what God has made in the church and sense the great potential of its work and can see that you are wonderfully significant because of Christ and you can make an eternal impact in the lives of others through Christ. Paul continues this idea of corporate blessings in his prayer in uh, verses 314 to 21. He prays that we might experience intimacy with Christ. Know his all-encompassing love and be filled with God's transforming power. You'll note in verse 16 of chapter 3, he says that God will grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. You need strength to have intimacy with Christ. God has to strengthen you to possess that. God has to strengthen you to to catch a glimpse of the breadth and length and depth and height of the love of Christ that surrounds your life. God has to strengthen you uh, to understand that God wants to fill you up through his spirit with all the fullness of God. And, And there are people that struggle with these areas. There are people um, who struggle um, with uh, a Christianity that is duties and rules because they've not sensed that personal relationship with Christ, that personal care of Christ, that personal walking with you in your life. It's, well, what do I need to do? There are those who question whether they are loved or struggle with trying to earn God's love. And what a, what a message the breaking of bread was on, on that very issue. But so is this passage, a wonderful passage. Or those who struggle with the power of sin and wonder if, if I'll ever have victory. And again, God wants his people to be able to proclaim to others, listen, Christ is my all and all. Christ is my beloved. And hear this, I am his. And Christ can and will change my life. See, these, these passages, you, you can go through and you can listen for a half hour, but you're never going to sound the depths of that Hearing it, you've got to take that passage. You've got to ponder it and maybe go outside the book of Ephesians to to parallel passages. But there are truths here that God wants because Satan attacks. And, And Satan wants to diminish what Christ has brought us. And so Ephesians was written so that we might grasp everything that God has for us. Well, the next area is the Christian life. And we looked at the five walk passages, chapter four through over to chapter six, verse nine, the group walk where I walk with other believers in the church, the changed life walk where God begins to change my life, the walk in love walk, the walk as children of light and the wise walk, This is a real practical section to stop and slowly ponder. If you do, you'll leave knowing that you have a vital role to play in the church, that which every part supplies. That in this local church, if if you're here, you have a role that will be important in the lives of other people here as you invest in their lives. You can have the testimony of a changed life. You can affect the lives of others by your life. As as you walk in love, as you walk as a child of light. And you can live in a way that shows God's wisdom, even to the angels. I was reading Job um, the last couple days. And God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Maybe there's somebody in this room that God is saying to some angel, hey, take a look at this one. And God, through your response, through your obedience, through your devotion to Jesus Christ, teach angels something. If not angels, there's others that we teach And you, as you go through, you'll, you'll have specific personal areas of application. Personal things God will show you. I was speaking uh, to the junior high camp, uh, and we were going through Daniel 6. You all know the story of Daniel 6, right? Um, Paul Harvey used to say, here's the rest of the story. Read the first three verses of chapter 9. And you'll get the rest of the story for chapter 6. It's not about a group of men who got displaced by Daniel and tried to get revenge on Daniel and get him out of the way. Daniel realizes that the promise of God for them to come back to the land is about to be given. And in Daniel chapter 9, in the first year of Darius, the same time period, he begins to pray. He read the scriptures, read Jeremiah, understood that 70 years was about to come and he began to pray that Israel wouldn't miss this great promise of God. It was a spiritual battle. He was warring for the the soul and the future of the nation of Israel and Satan was using those men to to cause him to stop. And there may be things you hit this week and you'll see the mundane... And you'll miss the spiritual battle. You'll miss the spiritual reality. And yet the scripture wants to open our eyes to the spiritual battles that are around us. Spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6, 9 through 20 as we said, seeing the reality beyond the mundane. Accessing God's provision and standing firm. You know, this is the passage that helps you understand that your, your life is filled with spiritual battlegrounds. That you can experience the effectiveness of God's provision, all for Christians, who understand the power of prayer. Oh, for Christians who understand the power of faith in the promises of God. Oh, for Christians who understand the power of the breastplate of righteousness, of making right choices and living right lives. In this passage, we can have confidence in facing spiritual warfare. And so God wants his people to be confident in the weapons he provides. Because otherwise, we'll put our trust in horses and chariots. And in the Old Testament, that was always, always the problem. And in the church today, often it's the problem. Because not experiencing the effectiveness of God's provision, we choose other things Paul could say in 2 Corinthians 10:4 the weapons of our warfare are powerful to the pulling down of strongholds our god's able to give us the victory a good passage to ponder so let's look at the last passage and ponder it for a little bit this morning chapter 6 Verses 21 to 24. Paul sent Tychicus to share his circumstances. Verse 1, but that you may know about my circumstances, how I'm doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. Things like what he wrote about in this letter. I'm not the prisoner of Rome. I'm the prisoner of Jesus Christ. Oh, poor Paul, he's in prison in Rome. He, the Romans have locked him up. No, I'm not the prisoner of Rome. I'm the prisoner of Jesus Christ. Here, Jesus Christ has a work for me to do. Writing in 2 Timothy, during his second imprisonment, he said, I may be bound, but the word of God is not bound. And I'm going to send Tychicus to you, And he's gonna share my perspective. He's gonna share with you specific examples. Have you ever had uh, the experience of going uh, to visit a Christian, going through tough times and leaving more encouraged than when you arrived? And their circumstances weren't near what you thought. And so Paul wants this church to be able to rejoice with him even in his circumstances and have uh, the right perspective. So he says in verse 22, I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you might have the right perspective on my circumstances, so that you may know about us and that he may comfort and encourage your heart. How does it comfort and encourage your heart? Well, they they care about Paul, and it'll be an encouragement. it would be a a comfort to them to know that Paul's not discouraged. Paul's not... uh, uh, frustrated and and depressed but more importantly as they're called to go through these kinds of things there's an encouragement that Paul found this he writes to the Philippians that they too were going to face suffering they too were going to face persecution and they too could find what Paul found facing his having the right perspective on circumstances in verse 23 Paul gives his personal, passes his personal wish for God's blessing on them. Peace to the brethren. That takes us back to that unity in that group walk, doesn't it? Peace to the brethren. Paul has quite a bit to say about people who cause division, people who cause problems uh, amongst brethren. And Paul's great wish is for there to be peace in the household of faith. And then he says, and love with faith from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That sense of love with faith, without faith it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You can see the love of God in trials. You can see the love of God in difficult circumstances, but it takes faith. Sometimes Christians miss God's display of love because they don't take their circumstances by faith. And so Paul prays for for this church that's there in Asia that in the not too distant future is gonna face a great deal of persecution. That there might be peace, that there might be this confidence of God's love that you have to take by faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he ends with that tremendous statement, grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. What an odd statement. Why do people who love Jesus Christ with an incorruptible love need grace? Because it's hard to keep it. You go over to Revelation chapter 2 and uh, verse 4. You'll find the very church at Ephesus really good with their Bible knowledge. Really good with all the work that they were doing. Had left their first love. We need grace to live with you love the Lord Jesus, even as we heard in the first meeting. It's easy to come and celebrate the Lord's Supper with unmoved hearts of the love of the Lord Jesus. Turn, if you would, to Second Corinthians chapter 11. Second Corinthians chapter 11. Paul writes a little bit about this and with this we'll end. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 2. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Why do those who love the Lord Jesus need grace? Because Satan's at work trying to turn your heart from him. It may be job, it may be some hobby or some uh, thing you enjoy doing, nothing wrong with that. But but he uses the the smallest of things to take away what's my all in all, Christ is. Who's, Who's the one my first allegiance is to, Christ is. I was talking to a brother, and we were talking about the rapture. And he had such a different perspective on it, I have to do some thinking on it. I said, I was saying to him, yeah, the rapture, won't that be a great day? Christ went to prepare a place for us, he will not be happy till we're there with him. You know, and God gives a go ahead, and boom, he comes and he takes us. And he said, well, that's a nice perspective. And I said, you don't share it? He said, no. He said, I think of uh, what he said to the Laodiceans. He said, I think the rapture may be him spewing this church that doesn't love him anymore out of his mouth and turning the work over to the 144,000 Jewish missionaries. Because the church, not loving Christ, has ceased to do the work. I sure hope he's not. What's sneaking into your life, whittling away at your commitment, the simplicity and and the, how do you put it, the simplicity and purity of your devotion to the Lord? Paul says, I pray that you have the grace that keeps you loving Jesus Christ to the very end. Words to ponder. Let's pray. Father, this this book has been called the jewel of Paul's writings, the, the, the greatest of Paul's letters. And we've spent 20 weeks going through it, laying it out. Lord, let us not leave with a good outline of Ephesians, let us not leave with a good head knowledge, knowing in which chapter, which topics are, are there. But may these topics translate over, and there be a day when, when people can look at us and say, there walks the book of Ephesians. And so, Lord, as we have need help, uh, us all to ponder one of these sections of Ephesians that we might grasp and and enjoy all the blessings Jesus Christ won for us at the cross as we ask it in Jesus' name.